the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Today, we're going on a journey. They say that time itself does not exist as we know it. As we understand it. It only really exists as something called space-time. It's really only a point on a giant map. Something that we can use to find out where we are, where we've been, or where we're going. So let's unfold space-time and trace our way back. First, maybe just a couple of years. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the, the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, leader of Al-Qaeda. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against Al-Qaeda terrorist training camps. The people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Now back even further. Princess Diana died in I did Florida. not have this vast right-wing conspiracy. Right now, he is O.J. Simpson. He is armed with a gun. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down Outside this of his apartment. Elvis Presley died today. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Because of what has happened in Munich during the past 48 hours, eight or nine terrified living human beings are being held prisoner. A second shot, the third total shot, hit the president's head. Dr. Martin Luther King has been shot to death in Memphis. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Allied naval forces, supported by strong air forces, began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. All the humanity. Back farther still, even before Marconi, when the air was silent. Back past the signing of the Declaration of Independence, past the Age of Enlightenment, before Martin Luther hung his protest on the church doors, before Columbus rediscovered the fact that the world was round. We go past Newton, Galileo, the Dark Ages, the Crusades, back to a time before books, when most of the world couldn't read nor write, and history was oral. We leave this world now, where we can hear and see a lone protester standing in front of a tank in a country on the other side of the planet, and we can see it live. To a world seemingly simple, yet brutal beyond our understanding, where news was spread from mouth to mouth. We stop here, at approximately 29 of the Common Era. We stop at a small walled city in the Middle East, it's around 10 o'clock at night, just a couple of days before Passover. The meals are being prepared, the night's meal had already been eaten, and most in the city are asleep. One man, however, is not. It's strange. He's younger than I am. He's about 30. He's awake and alone in a garden. His friends, who have been with him for several years, are just a few yards away. They slumber underneath the star-filled sky. 
They still don't know that even though they sleep, the world is about to wake. Eleven of twelve men sleep beside a hill. One man awake. He couldn't sleep, for he knew. He was in a garden, in prayer, praying so hard about what he knew was about to come, praying so hard that blood actually dripped from his pores in a place of sweat. Back at the hill, when he returned, he begged his friends to wake and pray with him. They didn't know how serious his request really was. They had no idea what was just to come. He pleaded with his friends, Why will you not rise and pray with me? He asked this again before returning to the garden alone. He knelt there on rocky soil, his hands clasped, his head bowed. Twilight dew draped his neck, the horizon still in black. He prayed. He prayed even harder, for the sky would eventually turn purple, then light blue. And he knew what awaited him. Back to the hill once more, his friends asleep. He begged his friends, Rise, rise and pray with me. I need you now more than ever. They said they would, but shortly after he left, they fell asleep again. The dawn was even closer, and he knew his time was running out. Now over the hill, they marched like flowing lava burning in the night's solace. The eleven are surely awake now. They have sworn their faith to him, but he knows, he knew this wasn't true. They'll weaken and he'll be forsaken, forsaken by the same men who just swore their undying devotion. The torchlights grow brighter, the hourglass running low, the clanging of the metal swords and spears, the sound and the vibration of the march deep down from their feet to their spine, creating a shallow vibration, leaving them quivering. The soldiers approach. The one is grabbed and kissed, betrayed with a kiss, a kiss wearing the mask of loyalty. One of the men leap forward, draws his sword, cutting the ear off one of the soldiers. He raises his hand. No. Peace. Take me now in peace. For this is my purpose. This is my being. This is the reason I came. Now one of them, Peter, strays. While his friend is being persecuted for crimes he didn't commit, he stands by a fire, denying any relationship he has as he tries to blend in with the common people. A woman approaches. Didn't I see you with him? Peter says, surely I don't know him, but you're from Galilee. For the third time, Peter says, I do not know this man. Now Jesus is pulled back and forth between the two who will determine his fate. They can't see any crime, but they still question, scourge, and mock him. Aren't you the king? Silence. Then here is your crown, says one as they give him a crown of thorns and press it into his head. 
he stands before the judge who could condemn him for no crime, but it is Passover. He says to the crowd, you, you can choose. One I will release, him as the king of the Jews, or... Jesus, standing silent, his eyes to the ground, is condemned to death. Jesus now carries his cross through the stone-clad streets to the place known as the Skull, the place where he will soon die. His back torn, his head bleeding beneath his thorny crown. The women cry out loud as he passes. He pauses for a moment and comforts them. Do not weep for me. Rather, weep for yourselves. His mother looks on as huge nails are driven through his hands and his feet. They raise the cross and slam it into the ground. It is at this point that all four writers of the gospel struggled with a description of the crucifixion, as I have. They described with the only words that I could use. And they crucified him. He now hung on the cross as the soldiers bid lots on his clothing below. Next to him, two criminals hang but they are simply tied to the cross. One of them says, You're the son of God. Save us now. Save all of us. The man in the middle does nothing, for he had a purpose. The afternoon passes. His skin stretched. He wept. He begged for water, and they gave him a sponge on a reed filled with vinegar. In a moment where he showed us that he was truly human. He cried out and said, My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? The sky began to grow dark. It was approaching three o'clock on a Friday afternoon when Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, spoke once more and only once. His last words, it is finished. So today, people all over the world do as I do now. I thank that lone carpenter for dying, dying on that Friday afternoon, so I may live. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.